obviously some of them have been difficult to conceptualize. Some of them have been very plain. But then there are certain things that we read and that we see that we automatically know apply to us and, and are going to speak directly to us. And that's going to be this sermon today. There are very few things that as a pastor, as a Christian, that you can get from somebody that are usually universal across the board. But one of the things that is universal that I've noticed just as a pastor, as a Christian, is that we all want to know what God's will is for our lives. Whether you are deep into the faith, years deep, or whether you are a new convert, what we all want to know is what direction effectively is the Lord carrying me in life? In fact, that's probably as a pastor, one of the questions that I get asked the most. How do I know God's will? How do I know that this is what God wants for me to do? And so today is one of those. We're going to look in depth at that and figure out if we can pinpoint how can we know what God's will is for our lives. Obviously, you know, when you have conversations with people about this, every conversation has its own context. But in general, this is a question that will be asked until the day of the Lord. How can I know what God's will is for me? And so we're going to look again today at two streams of life. We're going to look at the life of Saul and we're also going to look at the life of David. And we're going to see how one of them can obviously discern the will of God while another one of them thinks he knows the will of God. So turn me, if you will, we're going to 1 Samuel, and we're all the way to chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. It says, Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kelah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kelah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kelah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kelah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Kelah and fought the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kelah. When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Kelah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come down to Kelah. And Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kelah to besiege David and his men. Now David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kelah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kelah send me, surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. 
Then David said, Will the men of Kelah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from there, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kelah, he gave up the expedition, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness in Ziv. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come to seek out his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish, and Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went up to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in, the, in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this, and the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Now David remained at Horez, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding amongst us in the strongholds on the hill of Hekelah, which is south of Jeshmon? Now come, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there. For it is told to me that he is very cunning. See therefore and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Jephthah ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Manion at Arabah, and to the south of Jeshman. And Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Manion. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness. Saul went on, on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. And Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. A messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, the place, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, we thank you for the word, God. We thank you that inevitably everything that we need to know about the word, about life, about who we are in you, about you, is inevitably found in the word. So God, many of us are coming seeking answers in, in our lives. We are at different places and different stages, and we just want to know what your will is. We got a hope today we will see that apart from knowing you through your word, we will never know what the will is. So God, help us see in this sermon today what your will is for all of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do I know that this is what God wants for me? When you're a pastor, you are always expected and are always expected to be able to answer these deep and profound questions. And this is just probably the most common of all of them. But then followed by that question is, I want to know what God does. How do I know that? 
But why doesn't God speak like he used to speak? And so a part of this sermon will be figuring out what God's will is, but it will also figuring out how God now speaks to us. Again, we are still seeing these two streams between David and Saul in the way that they are going. David is posed with a new problem. One, he is still running from Saul, but he is also still the defender and the commander to and for the army of Israel. And so we are introduced to him here being told that the Philistines are attacking a southern part of Judah, which he would have had the responsibility for going down and fighting them. But I want you to notice that in our text, though he had known that he was going to be king, though he had been commanded to lead the armies, he doesn't just go. He doesn't just say, well, I know what the will of the Lord is for me. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Now, you may think, well, it would have been reasonable for him to just go. If God had promised him in the future he would be king, if God had given him this command, then it would make sense for him to just go. He doesn't need any more insight than this. But that wasn't enough for David. Some people may think it was a little unnecessary for him to ask. But why does he ask? Well, David here is not presuming upon the Lord. And I want to make sure I make sense of what that means. He isn't saying, well, Lord, you have promised to me that I will be king. Therefore, you are using this method to protect me. No, he is not presuming that the Lord is moving and instructing him in a certain way. And I think he had learned an important lesson. In fact, I think he learned that lesson from the sermon last week. If you remember, he had remembered what happened when he went down to Ahimelech and presumed upon what God was going to do. And he lied. And as a result of that lie, 85 men were slaughtered because of David's presuming upon the Lord. And here he was having to bear that grievous error that he had made. But why did it happen? Because if you remember, he decided previously on his own that he thought he knew what he should do. He didn't consult God. He didn't seek out God. He just figured, I know what God's will is, therefore I'm going to do this. And 85 dead bodies later, he realized that he had made a mistake. So now his disposition for this time is being that no matter what, I will seek the Lord. In our text, it mentions three times that David inquired of the Lord. And that's really important. Now, most of us will look at this and get caught up in the nature of God's response. Is he responding audibly? Is he speaking? But we should really not focus as much on that and focus on the fact and nature that David actually sought to know the will of God for his life. Y'all, this is actually the main thing that is separating David and Saul, but not just them. Any person who grows in their relationship with Christ is one who is seeking his will. 
Now, I'm sure that this is not a new 2022 problem. I'm sure it's been around for a long time. I mean, we can see it in our text. But I think it is most clearly seen for us in our day with people who feel that it is their unction, their will, their desire to manifest things in their own life, to decree and declare, to come up with all these idioms, to profess positivity as if that will have some effect on their lives. They believe that all of life revolves around them willing things that they desire. But why is that such a problem? One, we are not instructed anywhere in the Bible that we are at will agents. It amazes me at times that people don't go on overtly denying the will of God, but we deny the will of God in the way that we live. We deny the will of God in the way that we make decisions. We deny the will of God in the way that we act, in the way that we speak, in the way that we maneuver around life. People will marry someone. People will buy a house. People will get a job. They'll move their whole life and never once consult God. Is this what I should be doing in my life? So in this way, I think I could argue that Most of us are either Saul or we're David. In God's faithfulness, every time David inquired of the Lord, God responded to him. Y'all, this is really important for us. There are some people who say, what do you do with an unanswered prayer? There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. God answers every single prayer that we pray He just may not be answering it in the way that we desire him to answer it. Sometimes God just says no. But we learn something in Scripture. There are effectively two ways to not know the will of God. And it's outlined to us by James. The two ways. One, James says the main way you don't know the will of God, the first thing, you don't ask. What does he say? You have not, because you ask not. One way to not know the will of God is to never ask God what his will is. But then the other way to not know the will of God, he says, is you also ask wrongly. I want you to notice in our text, Saul didn't even ask. We've seen times before where he asked a question with presumption, But he doesn't even do that here. He says, oh, David has gone to the city with bars, which means he's trapped in. And he utters these words. God has given David into my hand. Now, that is a strong statement to make. But I would also caution any of us, before we say this is what God is doing definably in my life, we need to look back and say, have I even questioned if this is what God is doing in my life? There are many times where even myself have been so sure, so clear, so obvious, this is the direction that God is carrying us. Look how it's all working out. And then watching it fall apart and realize, I never even asked God if this is what he wanted. I knew that that was what I wanted. 
And I presume that because it was what I wanted, then it also must have been what he wanted. Now maybe it is obvious to us that we look at this, clearly God was not giving David into the hands of Saul. But he wholeheartedly believes that that's the case. And I think that's where I believe many of us just get it wrong. We are so sure at times that we know the will of God that we don't actually pursue to know if this is his will. This is such a dangerous place to be in where you can be so certain that you know God's will that you don't even inquire of him. That is akin to a husband going out and buying his wife a new car, coming home with it with a new note and everything, saying, well, I just assumed this is what you wanted, without inquiring. Now, if any of us thinks that we are above seeking the will of God, then we also think that we are above Jesus, who himself also sought to know the will of the Father in his prayer. And I love it. He outlines God, the Father, this is my expectation. If you would, let this bitter cup pass from me. That is his desire. But his confession is, but if not, your will be done. I saw it literally this morning before we came to church. Tim Keller posted this. He said, it is difficult for you to say your will be done when you don't know the Father whose will needs to be done in your life. Jesus, who knew the Father more than we ever could, was still not exempt from seeking the Father's will. So the component that many of us stumble in is that we are not seeking it at all. Now everyone wants to know what God's will is. I think more important than wanting to know what God's will is, let's be honest, we just want to know that God's will is my will. Like that, maybe that's just me. But I take a lot of stuff to God with my mind made up. God, I don't... It would be really beneficial to me if you would work this out the way I need you to work it out. Just throwing that out there. My life would be a whole lot easier if this would be your will as well. And so what I'm asking is, God, I don't really want to know what you want for me. I just want to know that you want what I want. That ain't too hard, God. But it is incredibly difficult to know God's will for our lives if we go to him with an agenda. I love what David says in the Psalms, y'all. It's beautiful, and perhaps he's speaking from some of these experiences. He says, One thing have I desired, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ultimately, his desire was to be fulfilled by God. He wanted to be satisfied by nothing else but God. And this is one of the most difficult lessons that we have to learn as Christians. No matter what you desire, no matter what you will, no matter what you get, if you are not satisfied in God, it will not satisfy you. That is one of the most difficult things for us to wrap our minds around. 
is that as no matter how much we try to grope after things to satisfy us, if none of those things are God, we will keep groping and groping and reaching and never attaining what we think we should attain. And God has given us a warning. Seek my will first. What does Jesus instruct us to do? Now we think he's talking about wants. We think if I want a car, if I want a house, if I want a spouse, then I need to seek first the kingdom. They ain't talking about wants. He's talking about your most basic needs. Remember, right before that, he said, I know that you need food. I know that you need clothing. The Father knows that you seek after all these things. But then he says, seek me first and all these things. They'll be at. They'll be at. The problem is, is that we're seeking the things. And we want God to be added later. And it doesn't work that way. And I like when David says this, ultimately his desire was to be fulfilled by God. And that meant that whatever God's will was, is what brought him satisfaction. But let me just say this. Fear of God's response doesn't exempt you from seeking his will. You need to seek it. So how does a believer do that? How do we know the will of God? I think that's what we're trying to get down to. I can tell you this, may disappoint you. We don't do it like David did, all right? We don't have an ephod, nothing speaking to us. God here is speaking directly to David, and this ephod is used as a device to communicate God's will and word to him. But why is David getting this direct revelation from God? Because David lacks something that we have. The full revelation of God. We have the full, written, canonized word of God to refer to. Which means that God is speaking to us now through his word. And that's why we read the word. We don't know how specifically God reveals these things. We don't know if it's an audible voice. We don't know if it's a sign. We don't know. But we know that God is directing him where he is going. So how do we know? That's the million dollar question that all of us want an answer to. How do I know what God is saying? Well, I would say how you know starts with what do you know? Do you know the word of God? If you do not know the word of God, listen, breaking news, you will not know the will of God. Why not? Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he dwelt among us. He is his word. If I want to know God, I must know his Word, if I want to know his will, I must know his word. It is an impossibility if I don't know God that I will know his will. I remember when I first bought, bought my Highlander, it would get cold it's before we had a garage, and I would do the old school thing, y'all know, go out, crank the car up, press the little button, let it get warm. 
I would then get some warm, not hot water. I, I knew better. I would get some warm water. And I would pour it on top of the windshield to get some of the ice off, and then I'd use the windshield wipers to get the rest off. And one day I was driving, and a piece of literally scrap metal flew off of a truck and cracked my windshield. So I, of course, you know me. I trucked down the company, called them, said, I'm going to have to pay for it. So they did. And so I took it to the windshield place, and when I went down there, the lady was like, Oh, we'll come up to your job. She says, do you have heated a heated windshield? I was like, no, I ain't got no heated windshield. I didn't even know what that was. And she was like, what year is your car? I was like, it's 2012. She was like, are you sure? I was like, no. And so she said, well, let me go out and check. And literally, she comes back two minutes later, and she says, you ha you've had heated windshields the whole time. And I was like, well, how could I not know? That would have saved me a lot of cold mornings going out there and pouring warm water on the windshield. I could have just hit a little button. But I realized I didn't know because I had not read the manual. I didn't read the manual, therefore I didn't know what that car could do. And it made me inconvenience myself because here was this full manual, a guidebook, instructions to tell me how it worked so I could know what to do in it. And I just didn't read it. Same is the case when we don't know the Father. Many of us are skating through life, saying that we know the Lord, saying we know his will, making decision after decision, and don't even crack open the Bible. And let me tell you something. The Bible is not just a manual. It is the divinely inspired word of God. And all scripture is breathed out of the mouth of God and is profitable. And so Saul here thinks that David has been given to his hands. And that's because he thinks that he knows God. But he did not know God at all. Because he didn't know him, he mistook what God was doing. How many times have we, likewise, been so sure that something we wanted was also what God wanted, only to find out that we had misplaced our hope? But notice, in David's life, that there isn't a one-time seeking on his part. I think that's the thing that encouraged me the most. David doesn't the first time seek the will of God and then find out, Oh, well, I've gotten an answer, so I don't need to seek anymore. He continued to go to God for guidance. Y'all, so shall it be for us that we should go to the Word to seek the will of our Father. The Bible says that we should be always praying, but praying in a way where we do not cease to pray. We have to be in communication with the Father. But then we also need to properly seek his will as well. Now we must not be like Saul who seeks to know the Lord with an agenda. But we must go ready to accept whatever his will for us may be. Paul himself was enduring an affliction that he sought the Lord about. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 8, he said this. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but 
He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When Paul sought the Lord, he was just like us, y'all. He had a desired outcome. Desiring something different than what God wants itself is not sinful. But it is once we realize that it's different what we do with it. Paul realized that God was working through him with this affliction. But in our text, Saul, who doesn't know the will of God, continues to pursue David. Now, before we get wrapped up, I did want to give you some practical tools on how you can pursue God's will. And this is courtesy of Desiring God and John Piper. I think this would be really important. These are six things that I think you should know in order to seek the will of God. The first one, pursue God. That's all we've been talking about the whole sermon. Pursue God. Know him and seek his will only. Not your desires, but his desires. The second, run toward me. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a commandment, but it is also a spiritual discipline. Number three, don't forget what you love. God has given you gifts and passions to use for his glory. Number four, be quick to listen. Listen to those many good counselors that God has faithfully placed around you. Number five, fall to your knees. Pray, pray, pray. Number six, consider your holy desires. Set aside the need to desire anything else that is not God. Pursue God. Run toward need. Don't forget what you love. Be quick to listen. Fall to your knees. Consider your holy design. Seeking the will of God will always be centered on a wholehearted pursuit of God himself. If you are pursuing God and the righteousness of his way, then you will know him and you will certainly know his will. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, it is such a privilege for us to know that we can know who you are. God, we can know you in the fullness of our salvation and, and how you have saved us. But God, we can also know what you desire for us. God, you have given us, you have afforded something to us that many people who don't know you don't have. And that is the word of God. And you have given us the word of God so that we can know the will of God. Lord, there are many of us in this room who are seeking different things in life, who are trying to desire and navigate different areas of our lives to figure out what it is that you want for us to do. And God, none of us will know that apart from the word. God, if we want you to speak, we must open up the word of God and listen. We must seek you out. We must be fulfilled and satisfied by nothing other than you and you alone. 
And God, at the times when we realize that our will is simply not your will, God, as Paul was, let us just be content. Let us know that even if what we desire is not what you desire for us, that you must be at the top of what we desire. That we are satisfied, that we are completed, that we are fulfilled, that we are made whole because we know you. That is our prayer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.